1: Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Today on the show, we're taking a look at those times when nature gets a little too close for comfort. We welcome the critter catcher, Mike McDowell, here to the program to talk about the management and removal of nuisance animals. From the big to the small, a nuisance critter can cause real problems, so today we'll talk about tips to keep your home critter-free. And as always, Dr. Major is here, ready to take your pet questions and the of your encounters with wildlife that you'd like to share with us. We always like to hear those as well. Join our conversation with a phone call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464 or email the show animals at mpbonline.org. Reminder that if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursdays, it repeats every Saturday morning at 6. So good morning. Hope everyone's doing well this morning. Good morning. Good. Good morning. Nice. nice. Uh, Libby, you've got a number of events that you want to tell us about.
2: Let's see. Yes. Uh, this afternoon, Millsap's pre-service teachers, so teachers that are learning to be teachers, I guess, people that are learning to be teachers, they're doing educational activities, all kinds of fun science things in the museum this afternoon. So after school, if you've got time to run by there. And then the exhibit in the dark, of course, will be going all weekend. There are fish feedings in the tanks and lots of fun things going on down there. And then um, tomorrow, Friday, October the 19th, Nature Nuts at the Clinton Nature Center. And Nature Nuts are two to (laughs) five-year-olds. And 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock, they've got all kinds of fun activities for little preschool kids. So Nature Nuts tomorrow, if you want to do that. And then, let's see, next, October the 23rd, which I think is next Tuesday, mm-hmm. that uh, Audubon will also have a meeting at 6 o'clock in the evening in the Clinton Nature Center. And then Teddy Roosevelt is coming to the Museum of Natural Science, Next Wednesday, October the 24th, from 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock during the day, it's a, a reenactor or mm-hmm. portrayer or however you want to say that. He's, he, he becomes Teddy Roosevelt, and he's going to talk about the bear hunt and his trips to Mississippi and all kinds of funny things. And if you want to schedule a school group, I think there's a few history and some science students that'll be there, but there's room for more. So, all right, that's going on.
1: So, uh, we are going to be talking today about uh, nuisance animals with our guest Mike McDowell, the Critter Catcher, looking for pet questions as well. So, give us a call this morning at one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can always email the show as well. It's animals at org. So Dr. Major, before we get started, you know we're going to be talking about these nuisance animals and critters that might be in and about your house or in your yard. And uh, if you have a pet, you obviously want to be concerned about that to make sure that there aren't any sort of unwanted uh, interactions between your pet and, and some of these animals that we, we don't like having around.
3: Sure. Uh, incidentally, we talked about snakes last week. had a a moccasin snake bite, uh, yesterday the dog came in. So it's, it's always possible around here that you can have one of those. And as we said on the, uh, talk show that generally those bites are not, not a fatal type bite, but they can cause a good bit of swelling and uh, inflammation and even abscess sometimes. So, uh, that just shows that there snakes are out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we talked about being careful and, uh, letting them know that you're there, and most of the time they'll go away. Anyway, uh, as far as uh, nuisance pets, not nuisance pets, nu- <laughs> nu- well, some of them are, uh, one of the things to avoid certainly is uh, feeding uh, the uh, wild animals. Uh, you can create problems with that by having food out and uh, certainly can attract. And the other thing is to keep your pet uh, vaccinated uh, for the various diseases uh, we always need to be aware of. Rabies as a possibility, even though rabies in Mississippi is uh, not a uh, constant threat, but uh, we do see some from bats, uh, I believe, and there's always that possibility. And the other thing, of course, some of the animals share some of the same diseases
1: that uh, dogs and cats do. So just be aware and be careful. All right, very good. So, as I mentioned, our guest today is Mike McDowell, the Critter Catcher. Mike, thanks for joining us on the show.
4: Great to be here. Thank you for the invite.
1: Uh, Tell us a little bit about your background. How did you get uh, into this, I think, what is uh, a unique line of work?
4: (laughs) Uh, You know, growing up, you know, I had family that had a lot of farms. We worked a lot on a lot of farms with domesticated animals. And, and, you know, on a farm, you're going to deal with wild animals. You just are. If you have a big farm, you're going to have issues with, you know, rats and snakes, you're gonna have issues with coons getting in the barn, you have issues with coyotes and bobcats and beavers getting in ponds. You just something that you're dealing with all the time. So it's it's always uh something going on. So i uh, learned how to deal with it as as a teenager growing up, um, in the state and, and uh as I got older, uh, people found out that I had the knack for catching animals, and uh, I did a lot for family and friends. And you know, people would just call, and I'd go out and help them. And then, just eventually, at one point in time, it just got to be uh, uh, more than I could handle. And I said, "This is a business now; <laughs> it's not a hobby any longer." So I opened up, uh, I created a company, and, uh, and been doing it ever since. Uh,
1: is it just you or do you have some employees with that work with you? You know mainly it's my family. Mm-hmm. Uh,
4: it's uh, over the years I've had people work with me, but uh, f- uh friends uh, it's it's a unique line of business. It's hard to find people that know how to deal with animals. Uh, uh, I do not fear animals I, I respect them immensely, but I don't have the issue if I go catch an animal, I'll go catch it. I know what the animal can do to me and that's what I'm gonna do and it's very hard to find people that that, that have that you know a lot of people say they do until i I've brought them with me and said, okay, go grab that snake. And they're like, what, what? But uh, uh, it's always been something like that. So I've, I've, I've got a lot of kids and I've got son-in-laws that I've worked with and taught how to do different things. And uh, so we probably, it's a family business right now.
1: Okay. Um, what are the tools of a critter cr- catcher? You know,
4: uh, education is very important. You know, it's, it's, it. I, I, I speak on this topic quite a bit. And I tell people it, it takes no advanced education to go out and put food in a cage and catch an animal. It, it doesn't, you know. The issue is is what happens when the animal won't get in the cage, right? So uh, you need to know a lot about the animals. It's, it's very important, uh, and I'm very, it's something that I'm very interested in, and I've spent a lot of time in the field and also talking with a lot of professionals, being in, uh, part of a lot of wildlife groups that we have in the state. We have a Mississippi bat working group. We have different uh, agencies that I've dealt with and learned a, a lot from and also been able to teach a lot to those individuals. But uh, mainly it's, it's it's your smarts, your wits. You've got to know how to deal with the animals. Probably the hardest thing, and I tell people in the business is, learning how to deal with people. And when I say deal with people what I mean is usually when I get involved with a client there they're very upset about something mm-hmm. because it's a snake, it's an animal that they're terrified of and you have to learn to tell people, you know, you know why the animal's there, what they're doing there, you know, you know, give them comfort so they understand what's going on. Once they understand what's going on, they calm down and then you can actually, you know, deal with them getting the animal. <laughs>
1: But also, I guess it's important too to let them know possibly what has caused the the critter to be there so that in the future they can if it's some it's part of their behavior they can adjust that so that they don't end up having to call you back
4: absolutely i um, um. I think we talked about this just a minute ago, but a lot of people don't know that they're feeding animals. <laughs> mm. They're bringing the animals to them. So uh, I go to the houses and, and I'll see things like bird feeders. I love birds. I love to watch the birds. But bird feeders bring in everything. They bring in rats. They bring in mice. They bring in coons. They bring in deer. They bring in everything eats bird seed, uh, sunflower seeds. It's a huge attractant. So people don't understand that they're bringing some of the wildlife into their their area by just a bird feed. Now we have the people that also will leave cat food and dog food out. You know, we see that a lot. Uh I in this last week we were in two houses that had horrible raccoon problems because they kept leaving cat food outside for their cats every night and I had to tell them that the the cats were eating a little bit of food and the coons were eating the rest of it <laughs> um and I proved that to them because we put cameras out, we put trail cameras out. and I showed them that night and one night they had eight raccoons coming up there checking that trying to get food for that night and I said you're bringing them to you and then if you don't keep your house in decent shape the animals will find a way to get in that house um, and and being sealed from from the aspect of what, yeah, it looks like everything looks good. And then I go out there and look at the house, and I say, look at the hole there, look at the hole there, because they're not looking for those things.
1: Mm-hmm. So um, <clears throat> what is your definition of a nuisance animal? If, uh, if my neighbor's dog barks a whole lot, uh, I, I don't think you can help me too much in that situation.
4: <laughs> well, a nuisance animal is an animal that's, that's in an area that you don't want them to be in. So, uh, uh, you know, that could go into dogs and cats. We have a lot of trouble in the state right now with people uh, uh, abandoning their dogs and cats. And so, you know, the, the cities stay busy catching dogs and cats. We try to stay away from that unless the do- the, the cities call us to help with something. Um, so normally we're dealing with wild animals. Um, and that could be just – that's anything. You know, we have – Animals that are indigenous to our state, but we've got a lot of animals here that are not, <laughs> and they they get loose from time to time, and we get out to get called in to, to catch them. And it's in some of those those situations are just are crazy. You wouldn't think we'd catch monkeys in the state, or you would catch you know <laughs> different varieties of lizards and snakes that are not supposed to be here. But but we get into those those issues every once in a while.
1: Uh, and I think it would be a good time to mention again uh, something we talk frequently about in the show. If you have a cat or a dog, uh, to have it properly spayed or neutered, uh, so that you're not creating um, feral cats and, and dogs roaming about there, uh, it's it's not good for them, and obviously not good for us as well. Need to take uh, our first break of the hour. We're going to be talking throughout the hour with the Critter Catcher, Mike McDowell. So if you have a question about uh, nuisance animals or a pet question, or if you have an encounter with wildlife you'd like to share with us, give us a call because the phone number is one eight seven seven. MPB ring. it's one 672 7464 you can email the show as well animals at mpbonline.org during the break see if you can come up with the list of six animals listed by the department of mississippi department of wildlife fisheries and parks as nuisance animals there's six that are listed so uh, stay tuned we'll discuss that after the break Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. And our guest today is Mike McDowell, also known as the Critter Catcher. If you want to join our conversation about nuisance animals or if you have a pet question, give us a call today at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 or you can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Before the break, uh, we mentioned that there were six animals that have uh, been designated nuisance animals by the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. So see if you got any of these. They are the beaver, the coyote, the fox, the nutria, the skunk, and wild hogs. So, um, Mike, uh, does that list uh, seem pretty good to you? Do you think there are any sort of uh, obvious uh, omissions or something that you would possibly take off that list?
4: No, no, those are those are definitely nuisance issues. Uh, you don't want any of those animals around. Some of them are not as bad. I mean, the we have a, a huge issue with the the nutria, especially in the central part of the state. We deal with those constantly. Uh, they're they do a lot of damage, as as much as beavers do. Um, skunks, I, I you know, uh, skunks are just they're just like cats to me. We catch a ton of them. we catch four or five skunks, four or five hundred skunks a year, and wow. and we just we just they're just like big. They just they all have attitudes to them, but usually they're very calm kind of animals if you know how to deal with them. So skunks, I you know, okay. Uh, coyotes definitely don't like coyotes. You know, we we have a lot of issues with coyotes in the state. Foxes, we were talking about foxes during the break, and it's. Uh, you know they're beautiful animals. They really are. You know, other than, than some of the problems that we see with them with with different varieties of diseases that they sometimes carry. The biggest issue that we have with them is is in some of these subdivisions that have moved out into the the country. We'll call mm-hmm. it <laughs> the uh, the foxes. When they have those kits, they they are they're finding any food they can find, and one of their favorite foods are little dogs and little cats, and mm-hmm. they'll eat they'll eat them quick. And it's it's not you know. You moved out to their territory. They're just trying to feed their young, but uh, we get a lot of calls for that and usually have to relocate quite a few of them because of that reason. I
1: uh, wanted to ask you, how long have you been in business?
4: Well, I've been trapping for, oh, wow, it's been, it's I I've, I've, I hate to even say this, but probably, <laughs> probably close to 35 years uh, doing it. Um, as a business, we've been doing it probably for 20. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, um, something that, like I said, started out as a hobby, and it's just got to be to the point where it was uh, to just enough business to do it as full-time. And I enjoy it. I, you know, I didn't start out in the world to do this kind of work. I just enjoy it.
1: And how far afield will you go from
4: here in, in central Mississippi? We cover the state. Um, occasionally we've got uh, corporate customers that have companies out of state, then we'll go work with those, those companies if need be. Uh, we travel quite a bit, uh, but we'll, we usually try to stay in the state. Uh, and I guess the
1: the one that kind of caught my eye on this list uh, because we've heard a lot about it, and 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 it I guess is getting to be a a worse problem that that's wild hogs. Um, if you would maybe talk about that, and maybe w- what the challenges of of dealing with those. Simply, I would guess because of their their
4: large size. Yeah, hogs are, are have become a huge problem. But anybody that has a lot of land, especially up and down the river systems. Uh, um, You're constantly dealing with them. Yeah, we deal with hogs. It's just something that uh, they're very intelligent animals. Uh, If you can get them when when you first get them on the property and and try to trap them, um, it works best. But, you know, it's something that once you've got them, you cannot stop trapping them. You have to keep working on it constantly because the damage they can do is, is, you know, terrible. Um, And they breed so quickly. They can have such big litters. It doesn't take long before they've gotten to a size where they just become unmanageable. And then you're looking at a lot of money to try to get somebody in there to work those properties. We have several properties that we try to maintain um, and we keep them off but again we're we're on them all the time and I would encourage people when I say maintain them we're out there we have cameras on these properties all the time we're watching them constantly we're looking for predators not only predators but for the hogs specifically sometimes we'll use different tools we'll use cages sometimes we'll use snares we'll use different things just trying to get them to a point point. and we try to focus on the females and the young ones trying to get them out of there you know, everybody wants to shoot those big boars out there when they're on those properties but we want we want to stop the females from breeding is the big one
1: mm-hmm. We're visiting today with Mike McDowell. He's the critter catcher, and we're talking about nuisance animals. Dr. Major's here ready for some pet questions. And we've got some open phone lines. 20 minutes into the show, and we haven't gotten a single call. We know you're out there listening. Uh, so call and participate this morning. Again, the phone number, it's one eight seven seven mpb ring Call us at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 Email us at animals at org. One thing you... Uh, go ahead.
2: Oh, I just have one thing i might bring up because we've talked about it a lot too are bats Mm -hmm. and um you know we know that bats are good in the environment we've talked a lot we've done a lot of probat but when bats get where you don't need them they're a problem i had bats well or my family had bats my mother-in-law's house once we moved her to a nursing home we had a problem with bats and Mike was good about getting down there, and that can get out of hand quicker than you think. We thought we had excluded them. I've been to the same meetings he's been to. I learned how to exclude the bats. But you know what? I wasn't in the house to keep watching, and bats keep coming back even though they're excluded until they they found their way back in that house, nice. and then, then it was Mike's problem.
4: We uh, we, we tried our weirdo relocate close to 60,000 bats a year across the state um we've got 15 varieties of bats uh only really four will get into a house um and the problem that we have is she mentioned once you have bats in a house the they basically that house has been marked and the, the bats will continue to come back to that house looking for ways to get back they're very particular over my studies over the years working with the mississippi bat working group and some of the phds with the state and federal government we they're very particular about where they, they want to stay. When they want to stay somewhere, they're, they're going to try to stay in that house. Even evicting them, they'll still come back to try to get back in those houses. Um, uh, they're, like I said, they're wonderful, but the, the four varieties that we have, uh, 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 specifically in our central area, the big brown bats, uh, down south and some of the, towards the east state of Mississippi is the big Brazilian free tails are really bad and they're, they they're big colonies. You know, we, it's, it's not odd to see two and three thousand bats in a, in a building. You know, mm. we've got them out of, of huge buildings, whether it's been schools or churches or somebody's house. It's, uh, uh, there, that they can be a big problem.
1: Uh, Got a couple calls to get to, so let's uh, head to the phone lines. We'll begin in Senatobia. Kathy's called in today. Good morning, Kathy. Go ahead, please.
5: Good morning. Um, I'm calling about well, raccoons have been the biggest problem, but raccoons and coyotes and uh, snakes of all kinds.
2: What what problem did they did these animals give you?
5: Okay, well, my daughter has two uh, huskies and. they get after them and um, uh, they got into a, a big fight, and she went down there trying to do something, which, you know, I would have known if I'd been there, you know, for her to stay out of it. But, um, did she and get hurt? Yeah. But, um, fox for the cats, um, I have a few cats there that are old, and, um, The fox, I know they'll eat the cats, you know. And they have just multiplied like crazy. The fox, I have never seen it like that before. They've come up and spray the yard while you're sitting there looking at them. Hmm. So, what can we do to get rid of the raccoons and the fox mainly?
4: The first question I would probably ask you is, is is there a lot of food? They're, they're, they're there for a reason. So food is usually drives them, especially this time of the year. Uh, so if you've got trash or you've got some area that, they, that they're, they're hunting in, if you can try to reduce that, uh, that'll help a lot. Uh, the dogs typically, uh, fox, coyotes, you know, they don't usually stay around dogs, especially huskies are big dogs. So I would, I would think that would help keep them away. But, but what is that single thing that's keeping them in that area?
5: Um, well, actually, uh, she only feeds the cats what they eat right then, and so there's really nothing else. And the dogs stay in the house normally at night. She lets them in and out, so they eat in the house. Do
2: do they live there full time in that house, or is that a house you you use occasionally?
5: They, they live there full time. They do.
2: You live there full time. Yeah, you've got. But it's in, it sounds like it's in the middle of the woods. It is. Yeah. That makes it harder because, yeah, your pets are in their house, yeah.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, and I watch how the fox do. They'll get to the crouch down in the grass, and then I'm like, oh, my God, my, my cats, I, I'm scared to death. And my cats, you know, walk through there, and then they get pounced, you know. Yeah,
2: that sounds like the cats need to come in at night, too.
1: All right, uh, Kathy, thanks for your call. Mike, I would say uh, the idea about food, I mean, we're not just talking about leaving pet food out. There are things maybe
4: that are sources of food for these wild creatures that we might not sort of consider to be food. Absolutely. So, trash is a big one. People <laughs> leaving their trash out, usually in the country, they like to leave their trash sitting out in a, in a bin, which is a scent that's going to bring them in. Even if there's no trash there now, just the the remnants of that that being there will bring them in. Even um, if
2: they can't get to it, they're absolutely. smelling it. Oh yeah, right? they'll, they'll come yeah. to
4: it. And this time of the year, you could have things. You could have natural fruits and things like that that are out there for the, the raccoons are coming in to, to to eat. You know, pears or whatever might still be on the trees right now.
2: Persimmons um, have been a big thing in my yard.
4: Exactly. <laughs> my exactly. dogs feel honor bound
2: to protect the, the wild persimmons, <laughs> and it's been a it's a mess. Yeah.
1: Uh, let's uh, stay on the phone lines. Next, we'll go to Plantersville. Paul's called in today. Good morning, Paul. You're on the air with us.
0: Uh, yes, sir. I was. Uh, he didn't uh, say anything about uh, opossums and armadillo, but looks like sometimes we had trouble with them. You know, and uh, I didn't know if they was a nuisance or not. <laughs>
4: They are. They can be. They can be a pain. You know, the armadillos definitely do a lot of damage to the yards, digging up their their favorite foods of earthworms and grubs and such. But we see we get a lot of armadillo issues with armadillos dealing, digging under houses. That's that's been the biggest thing. They the upend and and they'll keep digging under a house until eventually it'll tear up a foundation if you let them. So you need to keep those away. Uh, possums aren't really much of a problem. I mean the the biggest issue that I have with possums is is uh, they just they're they're a carrier for fleas. They just, they just usually covered in them. And that's the one thing that I get calls. People see them in the yard. They don't really mind that the possum is in their yard, but all of a sudden they start getting fleas in the house, in the yard. They don't understand where they're coming from. And usually that's the culprit.
1: All right, Paul, thanks for your call. Next we've got uh, Craig in Biloxi. Good morning, Craig. Go ahead, please.
3: Yeah, good good morning. Uh, I was wondering how dangerous hogs are for people because we caught one in a big cage, and he did a head butt into that cage and opened his face up.
4: When they get when they get impinned, pinned you pin them they they get rough they they that 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 ability to try to they they want to get out and when they can't get out and they get caged, they get kind of crazy and they can do a lot of damage to a person besides the just just the tux, tusks on the front end can can gore you, but they're 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 very strong they can they'll ram you they'll kick you so you don't you don't need to be out there messing with them unless you're kind of skilled and you know what you're doing because you can get hurt real easy.
3: Yeah, will they uh do that in in the open if I know a lot of them uh, a lot of animals take care of their babies if, if you get near the baby will they attack you in the open?
4: They're pretty smart and usually when they see danger coming they're gone. They, their noses are so well. Uh, they 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 don't see too too terribly great, but their their noses are really good. So if they usually know anything is even around them they're going to leave. They usually don't don't defend. They usually run. So you've got to back them up in a corner if they had maybe got into a yard somehow and and they couldn't get out of a yard or fenced in, and you were trying to get them out. You know, trying to do the right thing, trying to move them out. Then that could be a dangerous situation. But normally, they're not. They're not. They're going to run first.
3: All right, Doug. okay, yeah, I, yeah. I know they do a whole lot of damage to fences and, and fields.
1: All right, Doug, Craig, uh, Good to hear from you. Thanks for your call. Uh, we uh, before we take our break, uh, Mike. Any special licenses or permits uh, to do the work that you do?
4: Absolutely. Yeah, you have to be licensed by the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks to to relocate animals uh, during the year if you're going to trap of course you have to have a trapping license also Um, there are several other permitting issues that you'll need uh, to catch certain federally or state protected animals also
1: so when you relocate uh, where do you try to relocate them to
4: <laughs> that's that's I get that question a lot of <laughs> uh, uh years and years of doing this uh i have uh personally i have uh, agreements with individuals I pay to release animals on their property um i, I personally just because i, I want to i don 't know that i 'm required to, but we want to make sure that there 's no hunting on these 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 particular you know, i usually most of them are timber companies mm-hmm. timber company lands mm-hmm. where they they don 't allow hunting so um and they're usually personally owned, so uh, I know the people I go out there. Uh, I have an, a track of about uh, 11,000 acres on one side where I release my predatory-type animals. Plenty of room, plenty of room for them to feed. And I have about a six or 7,000-acre property that I release non-predatory animals on. Um, and we kind of watch the numbers and just kind of make sure everything stays stay, stay, stay stable. Um, but, na- you know, nature will take care of itself. Everything will move and do what it's supposed to do. But uh, I personally do that. I, I relocate over an hour away from Jackson. Um, I've done that for years, um, uh, because I, number one, we used to have issues every once in a while. We'll have somebody want to know where we release. And sometimes they're hunters, <laughs> sometimes they're, they're animal lovers that want to know where their animals are going. And I tell them that, you know, that that's just kind of a, a big secret. I don't tell people where I go.
1: <laughs> but I guess the good thing is they're wild creatures. And so if they, if you release them somewhere where they can get food and that sort of thing, I would imagine they want to stay kind of in their natural surroundings as opposed to someone's house or whatever.
4: Right. We make sure that the habitat they're going back to is a similar to where they were other than being in a house. Right. Some of these properties have old barns and things where they can actually get in if they want to get into them. But uh, most of them, once they've been away from from habitation for at least six months, they go back into that wild, you know, state of mind and, and do their own thing.
1: Okay. Need to take another break. We're visiting today on Creature Comforts with the critter catcher, Mike McDowell. Also, Dr. Major's here ready for your pet questions. So call in with questions and comments. The phone number is one mpb ring It's 1-877-672-7464. You can email us as well, animals at mpbonline.org. When we come back from the break, we touched on it, but we'll deal, delve deeper into some tips for keeping these unwanted animals away from your home. So stay tuned. Deep South Dining is the
7: show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app.
1: Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Our guest today is Mike McDowell. He's the critter catcher. So we have been talking about nuisance animals and how Mike helps uh, folks deal with those. Always ready for your pet questions and, as well. And if you have an encounter with wildlife that you'd like to share with us, those are always fun to hear too. So give us a call to join the conversation at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464. Email the show animals at mpbonline.org. We mentioned uh, some tips that you can do to keep uh, unwanted critters away from your home. We'll dive into those in just a minute, but we do have an email here that says, uh, help please, how do we protect our wooden posts from woodpeckers? We were away for a few weeks and came home to find about a half dozen holes. Any advice you can provide is much appreciated, and thanks for the show. So any thoughts from anybody on uh, woodpecker control or at least keeping them off the wood posts
2: well the woodpecker's not going to pick any, it's that same old story they're going to pick on the wood, usually there's an insect in there that they want to get out every now and then they like, they find a place that they that's a sounding board and they mm-hmm. want to make noise, but that's not usually a post, that can be a problem like a side of a barn or something where they find something that might echo real loud they love to make the loudest they like to be the loudest male woodpecker is what's going on there but so I, with a post mine my, my feeling is that it's a good chance there were insects in there what do you think
3: like
4: yeah that or they're trying to build a home we find a lot of a lot of uh Buildings that are stucco buildings, and they peck holes in those stucco buildings to make nests. Yeah. So we see that a lot too. But you know, it's uh, to get rid of it, it's really hard because they're protected animals, and so it's just so hard. You, you either have to cover it totally, cover the the area that they're they're pecking, which is, and they're still going to come back and peck it. <laughs> so excluding is the best thing to do. Exactly.
2: Put a wrap some tin around it or something. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. All right. It's so not easy.
4: <laughs>
1: uh, let's uh, talk about a couple of things about uh, the things you can do around your house to prevent nuisance animals uh number one on the list uh, is to secure your garbage so mike what are some tips make sure i guess uh, first of all in a garbage can but you want to make sure that that's tightly sealed things like that
4: absolutely you know raccoons are notorious for being able to open those things if they, they want if there's food in there and they want it they're going to figure out a way to get up on top of it or push it open or knock it down and so you know you want to have something that at least fastens really well something that's very i got a tight lid on it or, or that fastens or use a bungee cord something that keeps it down
1: uh, also, and let me kind of uh, reference this, um, you need to clean your trash cans or bins to prevent the smell because even if there's not currently trash in there, if your garbage can smell like old food, that's going to attract critters.
4: Absolutely, and I see a lot of times when the, when the trash, they come to pick up the trash, they'll spill components of the trash onto the road, and so even though it's not there, that odor is there on the road, and that's just as bad.
1: Uh, and we talked about uh, leaving food around, and again, this not necessarily just pet food but uh, maybe just look around your house and see what you think might be
4: attractive as a a food source for these kind of animals correct I mean you've got uh, throughout the summertime we've got figs we've got we, we talked about you know the various fruits that are out there if you've got those fruits in your yard or in your area it's an attractant you can't do anything about that until the food the fruit comes off yeah
1: All right, and then along those lines, again, uh, if you have a garden, you know, want to make sure that you don't have over-ripened fruits Mm -hmm. or vegetables on there. So, you know, tend after your garden to make sure that that's uh, well taken care of, and that will help off. And then finally, what we've talked about uh, is closing off entryways for critters. So you mentioned that a lot of times, you know, you go where and and someone says, well, we've got our house all all sealed up, and you say, well, no, there's a hole there, there's a hole there. Mm -hmm. What would be a tip for homeowners to maybe help them figure out where these I guess, and
4: sometimes just little tiny crevices are. Sure. So uh, anybody that usually has a multi-story house that's got dormers, uh, they can't usually bend the shingles to fit over those dormers correctly. And so in the corner of those dormers, there's usually a hole, and it could be as big as a quarter. It could be as big as my fist. I mean, I've actually had a couple houses in uh, in the uh, Madison area. I could almost throw a basketball out. The holes are that big. But it looked fine. Looking at it from the road looks great. You think, oh, that looks wonderful, but you don't realize that it's open up underneath there. Uh, the corners of all the houses, the corners of all your, of your house, so right where, uh, right where the roof lines meet, typically they, they have to miter boards right there, and sometimes they don't do a really good job of that, and there's a hole big enough for a mouse or a rat a squirrel to get into. Uh, we see parts where we've got brick walls that go up, and there's a wood header board, and sometimes that wood header board bends, pulls off of the brick, and leaves a gap big enough for animals to get up underneath. The flashing areas around chimneys are always huge. The flashing continues to pop and boil up. We're on a house right now where the bats actually, the, the, the flashing pulled up just enough for the bats to get underneath it and get into the attic area. Uh, it's things like that that I, I see all the time. It doesn't necessarily, you not people normally think that, oh, it's a hole, I can see it from, but if you've got a two-story house, right, even if it's 20 foot above the ground, sometimes those holes look really small, but they're really not and uh
1: our producer Javis, i think said his his father's dealing with the uh, squirrels in the attic so maybe some tips
4: on uh either removal of or or prevention for things in your attic squirrels the, right now the squirrels uh, have had their second litters probably about five five six weeks ago and so they moved in and we've been catching squirrels non-stop there but usually um uh they're they're on the roofs, running around. Typically, there's a tree limb close by that they're jumping off of. Remember, these are wild animals. They're going to go the easy way first, okay? Uh, Once the easy way has been removed, if they still want to come in, they're going to still continue to do that. But the first thing to do is keep trees and bushes from getting too high along the side of your house. Don't let them touch the roof lines. Not even allow the animal to jump. Um, if you've got a brick house, the animals can crawl up the brick. I'm sorry, but they can. If you've got stucco, they can go up the stucco. <laughs> usually they're not going to invert, which means going up underneath the, the fascia or soffit board. Usually you don't see that. You usually want to see a straight line is really what they're going to do to get onto the roof lines. So you watch those kind of things. Sometimes just the way your house is built is just conducive of wildlife to get on it. You just can't help it. But at least you can keep the trees away from it if you can. Uh, power lines are another one. We see a lot of squirrels running on power lines all the way down to the house. And then they find ways to get into the house from there. So you just got to figure out the ways that they're coming to the house or have a a professional come out and look at your house and tell you the things that need to be done to probably keep, uh, um, you know, evade the animals from getting in the attic.
7: Now, Mike, the one thing that I did know. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, Mike. Uh, The one thing I did notice when I went over to the house, it was a loud noise. And he had, I guess, some kind of little sonic thing. It was just, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And I was, like,
7: I was like, Dad, what's going on? He's like, I got squirrels in the attic, son. So, is that, uh, I guess, a deterrent, those, those kind of sonic blasters, kind of noise things?
4: Uh, you know, we get that question a lot. I'll put it this way So, let's say you're at home. Let's say you've got a roommate, and the roommate likes to play his loud music all night long while you're trying to sleep. Okay, the first two or three or four days, yeah, yeah, you can't stand it. You're ready to kill the guy, right? Mm-hmm. But but after that, you get used to it, and it doesn't bother you anymore. And really, that's kind of what happens. They just get used to it. Um, a lot of times, what they'll end up doing is they'll move to an area of the house where the noise cannot be heard. So you basically just move them into a worst area that you can't hear them, and you can't see them, and they live right there. So we see that a lot.
7: I have to pass that along. <laughs>
1: Um, I guess from an attic, maybe if um, you go up there, and you know it's usually dark in there during the day, so you could possibly see, you know, bits of sunlight coming in, and that might give you ideas of
4: where maybe some small holes are. Sure, sure. I, I never encourage people to get into attics because usually, you know, the people that get into attics usually are they don't they don't have sure footing, and they try to get on the rafters, and the next thing they fall through and get hurt. So I, I don't encourage people to do that unless they they're used to doing stuff like that. But yes, that's absolutely one way to do it: is get up there during the daytime.
1: Okay. Um, it's interesting. I think you mentioned uh, some of the tools that you used uh, being traps and snares. Mm-hmm. Um, how does a
4: snare work? A snare is basically it's a, it's a cable, you know, like 530 seconds, 730 seconds wide. It's uh, basically it just creates a loop. It's made for the animal to walk through and hold on. There are different varieties of snares. We use a variety of snare that's not what's well, not called a kill snare. It's actually just a snare that the animal goes through and it holds on to it. Um the animal pulls on the snare, it becomes uncomfortable, so they let off. They quit pulling on it after a while because it, it hurts them um, until such time as I can get there and deal with the animal. If it's a non-target animal that I don't want to catch, I can easily let them out of the snare and let them go. If it's an animal that I'm trying to catch, then I can actually deal with the animal and remove it then. Um, how about maybe some of the more unusual calls that you've had? You know, we get so many. We get so many that's uh, you know. It really, uh, it just depends on how scared the person is uh, that, that's on the phone with me. You know, the, the more scared they are, you know, it's it, instead of being a two foot you know black racer snake, it's a eight foot cobra. Uh, <laughs> and literally, I'm literally, we get calls about cobra, black mambas, and I have to tell people we don't have those. We're not supposed to have those snakes anyway in the state. Uh, uh, one of the funniest ones, I uh, I got a lady in Jackson call me and literally hysterical. Um, Uh, It was, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning, and she said there was a lion in her backyard. (laughs) And uh, so, you know, I had to sit there and, and, okay, uh, is this person had a few drinks this morning or you know what's going on and uh, i talked to her and she seems very very reasonable and uh, i said okay I'll, I'll come out there and i drive out there and, and the line now okay now for someone who might not know what a line looks like i can understand but basically this person had taken their chow and shaved all the fur off of them with the mane of the and it looked i mean it you know come on i mean if, if you didn't know what a line was i mean but it, it was funny and i had to go out there and get the dog it was a nice little dog and, and move the dog off the property but it wasn't a line
1: all right. Um, I think my most uh, frightening encounter with uh, a nuisance animal was um, when I lived in Hattiesburg in college, we had a, a house, and then in the back we had kind of a converted garage, you know, kind of apartment kind of thing. And one night, the a rat had crawled up through the plumbing and was in the toilet. So as you know... you. <laughs> Going to do it, and you open up, and it's like, ah, okay. Uh, But uh, rats are, I understand, are just amazing how what
4: small areas uh, they can fit into. Yeah, we, we've had a, a rat epidemic in the city for a while, we've in the surrounding areas too. And, and and I hear this. People think when I say somebody has a rat problem that they think, oh, it must be a disgusting house and they must have trash everywhere. And no. I mean, I get them out of $800,000 houses as much as I get them out of $100,000 houses. Right now, there's just uh, – we've had so much rain. People are asking me why we're having so much so many rat problems in the city right now, and we've had so much rain. I think the sewers are filling up where they're staying a lot. I can take you downtown Jackson, some areas and we can sit out there right at dark and I can walk. You can count them coming out of the sewer ditches. I mean, it's just amazing. But, uh, uh, yeah, we, we typically see them come out toilets, not always, but you know, a lot of people don't realize a toilet has to be vented and, you know, and and that's usually how the animals get is they come down that vent and somehow get trapped in there. And the way they get out usually is coming up through the toilet Mm -hmm. Uh, or we'll find their, their, their broken sewer lines. And sometimes the rats and snakes and things come up through the sewer lines and that's what they get in the toilet. Um, I've never seen a, a snake, I don't know, or a rat, I don't think, purposely get in a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
1: All right, uh, we need to take one final break this hour. When we get back, we will continue visiting with our guest today. It's Mike McDowell, the critter catcher. Dr. Major's here ready for some pet questions. And again, we always like to hear any encounters with wildlife that you'd like to share with us. The phone number to call in is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672 7464. You can email the show animals at mpbonline.org. Back to wrap up the show after this. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. And our guest today is Mike McDowell, the critter catcher. We've been talking about nuisance animals and how to control them around your house. Also, taking some pet questions for Dr. Major. So give us a call if you'd like to join in. About eight minutes left in the show. one mpb ring Our phone number is one 672 7464 You can email the show animals at mpbonline.org. Our producer, Java, mentioned that we got a couple of emails about skunks. Uh, one of them, Dr. Major, is can they or do they make a good pent if you – and can they be if if that's the <laughs> proper term?
3: You know, some people would argue with this, but no, they're not a good pet. They're nocturnal generally, and uh, they really are a wild animal. And pet shops over the years have sold them, and, you know, I refuse to even talk to somebody about descending one uh, for several reasons. But uh, some people have them as pets, and I I do not recommend it. I
2: grew up knowing a family that had one as a pet, and it was a, it was not a good pet. It bit people. It bit, it bit guests in the house. I, it was it was a real problem. And
3: with the domestic pet farms, if they still have those, uh, there have been reports of rabies. Uh, and apparently uh, the skunk is one of the animals that can be a reservoir of rabies and not uh, actually have the symptoms. So I would be very reluctant to have a uh, skunk as a pet.
2: The last time I, we talked, remember somebody was on the show talking about that, and skunks had been found in Alabama, I think mm-hmm. she said, with with rabies. Okay.
1: So
4: it's an issue.
1: Uh, Mike, what about if you're sprayed by a skunk? Any tips on, on how to get rid of that odor?
4: Oh, you're going to sleep outside for a while. <laughs> uh, there, there uh, we have a chemical that's... Uh, 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 that we use. That's a hypoallergenic type chemical that was created by a company um, that works great. About five minutes, ten minutes. I mean, the odor's gone. Okay. So it's. Uh, uh, but other than that, I've I've seen the wives' sales and people swear to you. Tomato juice and the vinegar and all that yeah. stuff works but What's the name of the? Uh, uh, it's uh, it's called Apollyon E P O okay. L E N, and it's quite pricey, but right. it's well, it's it's worth, well it. worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. Uh, we get the calls all the time.
3: For- uh, dogs that have been sprayed. Mm. And, I spray uh, a lot of dogs, yeah. And they want to break them into the oh, oh, no. <laughs> So we, we do have a recipe that helps. It's better than the tomato juice at home, and that basically involves uh, taking uh, peroxide yep. and uh, uh, something like Dawn, yep. mixing that, and actually with some baking soda as well. And it does help dissipate it, but nothing's going to take it away completely cool. except maybe the... Uh, thing you just mentioned that sounds like a great
1: thing it is all right let's us get some calls to wrap up the show sue's called in from beaumont today good morning sue you're on the air with us
5: good morning i'd like to ask mike uh, why were alligators mentioned on the uh most pesky list you know i thought alligators were a
6: big problem along with nutria and the other things
4: well alligators provide a uh 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 they're a predator, you know, they, they they will eat the beavers and the nutrient things that we have in our waterways, so they're they're a game animal and uh so they're not seen as a nuisance at this time.
1: All right. Thanks, Sue. Good to hear from you. Let's move on. Next we've got uh, Sissy in Vicksburg. Good morning. You're on the air with us. Go ahead.
6: Hey, I was gonna tell y'all about a huge mean I think it's called peleated woodpecker I had a few years ago.
3: Uh-huh.
6: um who would wake me up in the morning on my tin roof. Um, mating call type of thing but then he started eating my wooden porch Mm -hmm. and i just went in nobody could tell me what to do so i studied up i went to walmart and got some reflective uh silver tape full looking tape and put over the holes he had started and then i got these birthday um decorations that kind of hang down and move and they blow in the wind and they were reflective too and um strung those up it looked tacky but i strung those up on my mobile home front porch and i haven't had a problem since and he lives all around me and he uh you know terrorizes everybody else but when <laughs> <laughs> he figured out i had, had his number he came down and sat right in front of me almost and, and looked at me like if i were human i would stab you right now oh, no. <laughs> so they <laughs> don't I, like tacky like up his mating call, i would go out with the broom with my broom on the sticky end and because it'd be five thirty in the morning when he'd start taking on the metals. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. All right. Anyway, that's my woodpecker story. <laughs> Very good. Nice. Sissy, thanks
1: for joining us this morning. Uh, our final goes to our final call goes to John in Mobile. Good morning, John. Go ahead.
0: Yes, sir. I hope everybody's properly caffeinated this morning. Uh, <laughs> my problem is um, raccoons. I've had them um, in the attic previously, and what I'm looking for is some sort of. Uh, compound that you mix up and dose um, cotton swabs or other like to uh, act as a repellent. I've tried uh, jalapenos, habaneros, and even something that uh, I got from under the counter at a Mexican restaurant. It's a Mexican grocery store. It's a very hot pepper. (laughs) I ground that up and soaked these pads and threw them up in the attic. Uh, is there a better way to to uh, come up with a repellent for these beasts once they start getting up into your attic? That's it.
4: Well, the first thing you need to do is figure out why are they there. You know, why is the animal there? If you can figure out what that is, then that's how you get rid of them. The 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 the, 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 the sense that you're trying to use there's the, there there are all kinds of things out there like that, but they don't they're not going to work for long. Um, if you can figure out if you can fix the area that they're getting in the house that's the most important thing um, but why are they there? Is it a female that, that has young there every year is it that or is it they move in every winter because it's a warm place for them to be? you know why are they there? Is there a food source there water and food right there that's that's and so that's why they want to stay there you know figure out what that is and if you can that's how you get rid of them.
0: This, this raccoon was giving birth and so it it went through the uh, the uh, aluminum sockets. And, I mean, it ripped that thing apart and came up in the attic. I have since replaced or reinforced the aluminum soff- soffit with hardware cloth, and that seems to help. But I-, I had heard of some sort of repellent that you could put up in the attic that would, uh, once-, once they tasted it, they would leave and, and go look for for uh, more hospitable uh,
4: lodgings. There there are several things out there that, that people have used, but the problem is that you got to smell it, too. Oh. <laughs> and being in the wintertime, when that heater kicks on and that odor gets pulled in from that attic, you're going to smell it too. So it's like I said, it's a no-win situation. The best thing to do is just remove the animals uh, and seal the hole up. And then once you get the animal out of the area, then you won't have any more trouble.
1: All right, John, we appreciate your call. Uh, so, Mike, just a minute or so left. What What is the most uh, dangerous when you – you know, all the of the nutri- uh, the uh, the um, animals that you kind of deal with, which is the one when you hear about you, you really know you've got to be really on, on point to – uh, due to the kind of the danger factor,
4: you know, it's it's not really the animal for me. It's the situation. You know, the, it's 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 getting into like uh you're in an attic. It's dark, and you're having to stand on rafters, and you've got a raccoon coming at you wide open. You know, that's the kind of stuff that you gotta, you know, you gotta be careful of. It's just uh you know, I can usually see the situation form in my head when I'm at a, you know, you know this is going to be an easy thing to do, or this is going to be not an easy thing to do at all. Um, and i I've had everything happen to me from you know squirrels jumping on me to <laughs> uh, you know uh raccoons you know uh, I had to remove a couple of young raccoons baby raccoons out of an attic one time, and the end of, the owner told me that he had caught the female. And he and said he just I just can't get the babies. And I said okay, no problem. So had a guy with me, and I went up the stairs, and and the babies are sleeping. I have a Piece of cake. I have my cage, and I walk over and I grab you know both of them with my hand, and they start bawling. And people don't understand that raccoons can bawl so loud it's deafening. It's it's like a bear. They're you know relatives of the bear, and so they're bawling. I can't hear anything, and I'm just getting them into the cage. Well, I don't know. Mama's about ten feet on the other side of me, and so she comes at me, and oh. That's, that's a scary situation. All right.
1: That's going to wrap us up for today, Mike. Great stories. Thanks for being with us this morning. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funded provided in part by listeners like you. To hear today's show or previous show, one way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash Creature Comforts. Our show is produced by Java Chapman. So for Libby Hartfield, Dr. Troy Major, and our guest Mike McDowell, I'm Kevin Farrell. Up next, it's AutoCorrect with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.